RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Fizz Hydration Tablets, the convenient way to get your hydration needs vitamins and minerals covered in one easy tablet to get a discount of 20 percent, use the code sport 20 at their checkout yes hello and welcome back to episode 66 of the rugby renegade podcast my name is jamie bain and today i interview lee eldridge an experienced strength and conditioning coach uh, who used to bump into on the circuit when he was at london welsh quite a lot um, so it's great to catch up with him and find out what he's doing and learn about um the athlete tribe um, so give it a listen and let us know what you think. Lee, welcome to Rugby Renegade Podcast. Great to have you on. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about your background, how you got into strength and conditioning and some of the, the teams and sports you've worked with. Yeah, so um, like most people, um, I started probably back after my undergrad in sports science and kind of knew that I definitely wanted to go into coaching and I was, I've always been a coach, so from an early age, I was coaching swimming, any, any kind of sport, field hockey, etc. And I realized then that if I wanted to kind of work with the professional athletes, I need to, to get a master's. So, 2008, and pretty much alongside that, I realized that we needed to get internships and, and start to to observe other coaches in elite levels and have opportunities to you know maybe take sessions and do bits and pieces so that led on to a couple of internships in football and rugby and then really you know as it goes that i got kind of a big break by somebody who's on my master's course and i started working for london welsh back in 2009 10 and i spent six years there which was a fantastic experience in terms of ups and downs, you know, two years in the premiership, uh, two years of being relegated, going the whole year without winning a game and trying to coach in that environment, which was, which is pretty tough. But on the flip side of it, coaching environments where you're, you're winning games week in, week out and, you know, you get promoted into the premiership. And then it was kind of a situation where, my kind of career progression was stagnating a little bit as we know that once people get into roles kind of good roles are, are hard to find and fortunately I, I i was in touch with a few of the guys at hints of performance that were based out in switzerland and i started there in 2016 with the idea of working with some young motorsports athletes and that kind of didn't work out and I got more to work across to the corporate side. So I was working with C-suites, CEOs, doing kind of presentation workshops to corporate individuals and, and teams. And then I found that I really wanted to to, to, to make a little bit more, more of a move back into sport. So last year I started as head of academy for an ice hockey team based in Geneva. And that kind of brings us around to the present present time and present moment, really, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's cool. So 
Um, just kind of touch on a, a, f- a few things, I guess. First, firstly, you know, moving to another country um, and and going away from sport into different environments. What what was I guess? Firstly, what was it like in another country, different culture, and things like that, as, as an experience working as an SNC coach? So I thought, you know, there's uh, uh, the I went to work with Pinsa Performance and as an international base of coaches, so the. Uh, because of naturally Hintzer performance was originally founded by Aki Hintzer, uh, the Finnish doctor that worked a lot in formula one. So there's a lot of Finnish guys, coaches. Um, so really that was a good opportunity for me to have a broad experience from an international point of view. I think that every country has their own, you know, we're all learning the same things, but every country has a different way of coaching. Um, a different standard in terms of, you know, reading lists and the books we read and the websites that were influenced. So it's really good from that side. Um, and then coming across that, basically, I was slightly naive, to be perfectly honest, that I could, the idea was that we were trying to take what we know with working with athletes and then being able to adapt that to work with what we, classed as cognitive athletes so these seriously high performing individuals that you know they're working 12 14 hours a day traveling the world etc and to try and get them to have a better lifestyle basically so you know hints there is you know better life better performance that's their that's their founding motto and really it was just to try and get those guys to you know to do some simple things. And the biggest difference between a high-performing athlete and a high-performing cognitive athlete is that with the athlete, the sport is the main priority. So everything we build around them is designed to improve their performance. But with a corporate athlete, you've got so many more things going on that, so for example, if we're saying you need to improve or increase your general physical activity and something comes along that just gets pushed to one side whereas when working with a professional athlete you know that's going to be their main focus and that's going to be their main priorities so really it was kind of those things and then last year in in terms of working with the academies i don't speak french so that was a real learning curve so with my under 20s majority of them all have a good grasp of English so I was able to pretty much coach full-time in English the younger guys not so much so it was a huge learning experience of how to adapt my coaching when you don't actually know the words to say and what's been really good for me is from a foundational point of view is to work out using the simplest language and learning the simplest French language to get the points across and constructing sessions and building out you know how you communicate with athletes that you you can't speak their language and it's been a it's been a huge learning curve that's really interesting going going back to the the kind of corporate side of things are there any things um that you've taken from them and in the way they work as you say they're high performance but in a, in a different kind of um remit is there anything you've taken from them that you can apply to to sport yeah so i think that we all think that we're holistic coaches in our nature. So, 
you know, we all look at all the areas. But what I did find is that actually when you start to look into other areas from a holistic point of view, you can get some really good performance improvements. So what I do realize now is stress is stress. And what I mean by that, if I if I look back at my, my time in rugby, is that I probably disregarded what outside or external stresses a lot of our athletes go through and how that will affect them in their day-to-day performance. And what I mean by that is that we, we react the same from both a mental stress point of view and a physical stress point of view, you know, physiologically, psychologically, etc. So really getting to the, the foundations of good sleep, good nutrition, um, just general health and setting that foundation that we can push forward. And I really do think that sometimes as coaches, we like to focus on on these minute details that yeah they're needed but really we need to be focusing on those other 99% things that sometimes I think we take for granted and but definitely working with you know CEOs the biggest the, the two big things for me was always to start with trying to increase their sleep and just try and increase their general physical activity they were two of my main kickers that I would always kind of look at and always try to to impose on them. Because from a corporate side, there seems to be this, you know, I only need five hours sleep, I only need six hours sleep, you know, I can do an all-nighter, et cetera, et cetera. And what we know is that, yeah, you can, but you will pay for it in the long run. And the more times you keep putting yourself under that pressure, under that pressure, you know, your performance is going to struggle, but also the the big point of that is that you don't actually know that your performance is deteriorating. You still think that you're doing exactly the same, that you're performing as well as you can. And then if you go and throw in a seven, eight hours sleep on top of that, you, you then actually realize that, hey, no, uh, that, was a, that was a load of rubbish basically. And just, put that back to an athletic population i you know to really get grasping what your guys do outside of of you training them so you know at london welsh guys would come in depending eight half eight you know and then leave depending on the day two thirty, three o'clock and we can only really control that 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 portion of the day so what do they get up to after training you know are they getting good sleep what's their nutrition you know we're fortunate to be able to maybe control two or three meals a day but you know what are they eating in the evenings you know are they fueled and ready to go for for performance in the morning and just these simple basic things that i think that sometimes we take for granted in terms of the athletes that we work with so they're the big things, really. Yeah, I totally agree. I think and a, a classic example, and you'll have experienced as well in rugby, when you've got a you've got a player who's just had a, a newborn baby and then sleep goes completely out of the window, they're stressed. Um, and like you, you can even sometimes see it in like their wellness scores and things like that. It's it's um it's crazy what that bigger stress has and, and you know, highlighting sleep is, is one of the, the major ones. 
um, which is quite nice because we just actually had an article about um, the importance of sleep um, on the website. But, right, yeah. <laughs> um, I've been looking through your, your Instagram uh, recently, did a bit of research for kind of questions for you because there's some really good stuff on there. And one of the ones that's really important <clears throat> now, obviously, with COVID-19 and lockdown and, and, you know, the restrictions on training and things was, um, you know, the need to prepare for going back into contact. Um, do you want to touch on perhaps a couple of, of recommendations you gave in that post and, and the importance of it? Yeah, so we can't... Rugby or contact sport, is it's a brutal game. And being able to speak to a few of the guys that I, I did coach, you know, the premiership rugby is now becoming an even bigger, you know, contact collision-based sport even more than it used to be and the way that those guys are training in the week they're not really getting much done because they're just kind of recovering so you know in terms of with the amateur guys that are coming around basically what can you get what can you do so can you hit some floor can you do some tumbling can you make sure that you're doing some neck strength work if you are fortunate enough to be able to be with anybody that's a similar body weight to you can you do some type of grappling work can you do all those things that you know that we try in in training to stimulate or recreate the contact but unfortunately you know you can't so it's trying to do as much preparation from that you know in terms of it's a great opportunity to really nail down any underlying issues that you've got any shoulder problems you know, shoulder stability work, all these types of different things that you can do. And then I think that the big thing is going to be is that we don't get to a point where it's like, right, okay, we can go back to training and everybody's been so wound up to sat indoors that they go back at 100% and they just start trying to knock out the crap out of each other. And then that's when injuries, you know, come along. And I think it's similar to, you know, we used to have it whereby let's say the season finishes and then the guys have four or five weeks off. Well, very few of them do any running base work. We normally promote this kind of off feet, give the boys a bit of a rest. And then they come in and most teams or what we did see sometimes is that, right, you know, especially with the coaches, they want to go, go, go. It's preseason. It should be tough. It should be hard. But there needs to be this kind of reintroduction, this, reconditioning into all those types of the muscles and that movement mechanics etc and i think with contact it's no different that it may take three four five weeks for guys to get back into that live conditioning and uh, you know i hope that coaches and snc's around can think right well how are we going to reintegrate this what are we going to do how are we going to get it so that if we look at our you know general prep specific prep what type of drills can we do to slowly increase that conditioning, slowly increase that that tactical, technical awareness of where they need to be, where they need to be putting their heads, shoulders, etc. And lastly, probably is really slowly building back in that fatigue level so that we know that most injuries from a from a contact point of view are more to do with poor technique, being under fatigue and making sure that guys are fresh fully recovered in terms of their bouts and their work to rest ratios 
they're some of the things I think. No, some some great points there. And I know, I know I've, I've been speaking to some coaches today, and I know they're you know itchy fingers already trying to plan as soon as they they get the the go ahead of when lockdown's over of of getting into things. But you know you're right; it's got to be it's got to be measured and slowly progressed. You know for for safety in terms of injuries and things. So good points. Um, another thing you've talked about um, recently is um, like breathing for performance. Now, what are some of the, the methods you've used and, and the results you've had with it? So I've kind of come around to it just, just by a few friends talking about it. Um, and some of the guys I do, you know, the power speed endurance, Brian McKenzie works. He's been on a, some, some podcast and, Really, it's to it's, it's the whole idea of being able to tolerate CO2, and I was in alongside that maybe a couple of years ago with a book called The Oxygen Advantage, and this idea that most people breathe mouth to mouth, and really what we're trying to do is that two things: one, we want to build up this ability to tolerate CO2 in our body, and second of all, that means that we need to not blow off or or breathe out co2 all the time so from that point of view there are the things that i've tried to kind of work on so nasal breathing working through the gears so what they talk about is kind of nose to nose breathing is highly aerobic it's highly efficient and you know a prime example now is that everybody is out running you know that's the go-to kind of conditioning and how many people do you hear who are panting nose to nose and they're just in that anaerobic energy system all the time and then in terms of how I've kind of tried to implement it is especially in terms of hockey if we think of you know it's a 40 to 60 second shift followed by a you know 90 seconds kind of window of recovery so some of their or some of the stuff was basically you know mouth to mouth and then you try to calm down and it's nose to mouth and it's back to nose to nose and you're trying to to recover as quick as possible to get ready for that that next intensity bout and then really trying to push the the nasal breathing steady state all, all those types of things that we, we were building in to really promote that idea of actually people being more conscious about their breathing and I don't think that we are we just go out and train we don't really think about it so that's that's where i've been kind of leaning towards of late yeah it's really interesting stuff I, i've kind of stumbled onto a few things you know myself in the past and and there's loads of stuff about breathing to you know control you, you know even anxiety and things like that and and like say for recovery in between sets that's the stuff i've used in the past and and also just the nasal breathing to to kind of control the intensity you're training at to like say if, if you want to get an aerobic stimulus and you don't have a heart rate monitor then if you're if your nasal breathing comfortably then you should you know, should be in that comfortable aerobic zone so that's that stuff i've looked at um i haven't read it yet but there's a, a book out i think it's relatively recently called warrior breathing i think it might be worth worth looking into um but it's, it's definitely stuff I've, I've keep coming back onto so it's stuff i want to look into a little bit more so i'm glad you you spoke about that uh, now this next question is uh, something we ask all the, all the guests in the podcast and it's what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning wow okay so yeah so that, that's an interesting one 
I think I think that what you need to understand, or I think everyone needs to understand that the ability to create force is hugely important, but sometimes the rate of force production is probably more important. And along that line is that there's this need, especially with young players, to try and get as big as possible. Um, and I think that what you need to try and do is basically take a step back and think about, you know, what your position requires, what you need to do, and to think about you as an individual playing in a team sport. So, for example, my exercise selection is vastly different to your exercise selection from a player's point of view in terms of the, the, the choices that we make. You know, you don't have to squat to develop lower body strength. You don't have to bench press to develop upper body strength. So as soon as you can start to learn what your body can do, I think that's that's a huge advantage to have over everyone else around. And to add another point, sorry, but I think that the last year has really made me appreciate that Everybody, especially young athletes and young rugby players, I've seen it time and time again, they're just super impatient. So, you know, strength, power, speed, conditioning, it's not something that's going to be a, a four-week block, a 12-week block, a year's process. You know, it's a long career process that you need to just keep ticking away at. You just need to keep getting that little bit stronger, that little bit stronger. Because... You have to play rugby. You're not full-time trainers. You're a rugby player that is training to improve their rugby. You know, you're not training for training. For, sorry, you're not training for training's sake, and then play a couple of games of rugby. And I think that's where amateurs get it wrong: is that they just train in the week, they just throw something against the wall, and they hope that that's going to transfer across to how they play on a Saturday, as opposed to in a professional environment. You know, from some of the, the best coaches, they know exactly the work they're going to do is going to transfer to them on Saturday and Sunday. Because our job, that's our job as strength and conditioning coaches, is to allow that athlete to go out and express their skills come Saturday, Sunday, or Friday evening, whenever it is. Sorry about that. That's a long. No, no, no. Um, no, I agree. That's that's kind of what you see, and it's it's always the. Well, not always, but a common thing is is people just want to get or players just want to get bigger um, w without going. Well, yeah, size is is one thing, but is that really going to help your performance? Um, so yeah. some good points. I'm, I'm not trying to catch you out, but then what what would you, or how would you deal with it when you've got a, a coach and or a player who's who needs to get bigger? How, how do you do or get bigger the right way? I guess. So lean body mass gain or trying to gain as much mass as possible without, you know, non-functional um, tissue development, or sorry, not tissue development, but body fat. So it depends, again, everyone's different, but if it's a young player, really it's to try and just, you know, keep those calories high, you know, to, you need to be in a calorie surplus. And again, they need to learn. So you know, we had a couple of guys at London Welsh and they were young and I, it's quite interesting that, and I don't know if you found it, but 
as a strength and conditioning coach, you 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 can be working at the same club. So, for example, that although I stayed at London Welsh for six years, I was exposed to four completely different coaches. You know, one one coach was uh, a super talented coach, very skill based, tactically excellent. The other coach was just like, right, let's just get the guys as big as possible, and we're just gonna beat beat teams up. So. If you imagine you're a player then, you know, one year you're being told, no, you know, 110 kilos for a second row is, is great. And the next year, well, you're not, you know, you need to be 115, 120 to even to even get a look in. So to go back to your question is that, you know, I think that we, you, the coach sits down with the player and basically says, right, you are looking to develop your lean body mass. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you all the nutritional information all the supplementation what you need to do also alongside that is that we will make sure that the conditioning work you do alongside it will be the minimum amount to make sure that you are going to maintain that and on the flip side of that is that you will be able to do extra hypertrophy sessions across the course of the week and, and then we sit down and then we just say, right, well, we, obviously we monitor them, you know, weigh-ins twice a week, three times a week. And we want to see that linear kind of trend over the next four, six weeks. And then it's down, Then what we've done is we've taken all the excuses away from the player and basically said, right, okay, four weeks, you're not putting any weight on. And we work it back, right, well, you know, you're not doing as much running as the other guys. You've got extra hypertrophy sessions. What's your nutrition like? what's your nutrition like out like outside of the club and that's how we kind of work it basically no i like Hopefully it that yeah yeah covering all the bases that's good stuff now you mentioned in your previous answer you know you don't you don't have to squat to get strong you don't have to bench press to get strong in your upper body what um the, that's a great answer at the moment because you know some some athletes are in lockdown they can't have access to the gym they're just stuck with body weight what would be your kind of recommendations to to players stuck at home so my first, my biggest one is that you need to get a plan. You need to, to uh, I, I, I posted something like this, that, you know, you need to stop doing challenges for the first one. You know, I'm on a couple of WhatsApp groups with some rugby players and every day they get sent through, right, I've just done this challenge that has got, you know, 100 burpees and da, 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 da. And all you're doing is you're just applying fatigue to the system. So first and foremost, and you sit down and say right i've got this type of equipment whether it be bands kettlebells you know whatever you can try and do and then basically say right well i know that i'm gonna i need to progress so i need to either increase number of reps time under tension so i think that if you if you look at it i, I, I think that if you step back and say right think more of a bodybuilding approach at the moment and what I mean by that is that, you know, the muscles don't know how much weight you're lifting. So really focusing on contraction, using time under tension, using drop sets, using any me mechanical drop sets. You know, I'm not a great fan of force reps per se, but, you know, can you start to do some force reps? You know, if you've got a training partner, if you're living with somebody that you're able to do it. And those are the types of things that, you know, I think. If you look at, you know, the research, well, you need to go to near failure most sets. 
you know whether that's that's true but definitely i don't think you need to be doing you know 30 40 reps etc and your form just gets crap and you know you're just asking for yourself for injuries basically and they're the types of things that i would or i have been or would recommend to to people out there basically yeah i'm glad glad you mentioned about not just doing these these challenges because like you say it is just you're just chasing fatigue the reason you train is to adapt to improve your you know ability and in whatever whatever it is you're training so there's got to be some sort of planned progression I've, yeah, I've got no issue with testing, you know, training is testing and testing is training. I've got no issue with guys doing challenges. The thing is that you do a challenge. Well, the idea is then two, three, four weeks, five weeks down the line, you want to redo that challenge. And then you see if your plan or your training has improved where you're at, yeah. um, you know, and that's that's where you and I have probably have to do pre-season testing because we want to highlight to the players at the end of the preseason, hey, look, you were here. Now, because you followed this plan, you're there. Or with the coaches, you know, this guy needed to improve these physical qualities and now they're getting better. And it's kind of auditing the, auditing the program. And, you know, if you keep just doing stupid challenges, stupid challenges, you're never really going to know if you're you're developing so i think that's a that's a it's a huge opportunity lockdown to people step back and maybe deload some of the movements that they're not great at and to get back to you know a more of a mobility based body weight kind of progressions yeah no, i think you're right i think it's, it's not going to hurt going back to some of those unilateral you know leg exercises and, and getting improving relative strength um, and deloading from you know stuff that's going to be you know heavy loading through the season it'll, it'll be kind of nice for them to to come back fresh when they do um some some great points there right next question is uh what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach so i was thinking about this you know i think it was gonna i thought it was a big question but from from my point of view, one of one of the things that with London Welsh, especially with our internships, is that probably one of the last things that I would do before off season is we'd be looking for obviously interns to support us for the following year. So I'd print out all these uh, CVs and cover sheets to kind of read on a beach or by a pool to kind of think about the guys that we wanted to work with next year. And really, is I got used to going through them all, and it's. I used to just read cover letter after cover letter. And one of the biggest things that we'd look for is coaching experience. And what I mean by that is you don't have to have, you don't have to be coaching strength and conditioning to gain coaching experience. You know, I think that we coach strength and conditioning because we enjoy coaching. Obviously we, we love what, you know, everything else that goes with it. But you know, what, what drives me is that we, or I like to, to coach people. I like to impart knowledge. I like to see progressions. So bring it back down. So depending on what age you decide, right, this is where I want to be. You know, these are my long-term goals. I'd suggest just get some coaching experience. And it doesn't matter whether that's, you know, under eight, under eight football or, you know, netball or cricket or whatever. Just start coaching. Just start coaching. And it just teaches you the basics of being a good coach, right? Well, I need a plan. I need to set up. I need to be on time. I need to control this group of individuals. 
and you'll find that you know well this is you know maybe but coaching under eights is probably a lot tougher than coaching in elite professional environments sometimes depending on the the you know the <laughs> mental age of your um your elite professional as we as we know but what it does is it just gives you experience you know and then as you go along that age group can grow you know so for me that's what i did as i started coaching swimming and then I, I did some field hockey stuff and that that you know so at university you know i was learning about sports science i was learning about this but i was also learning right well how to coach you know what 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 do people enjoy doing trying to bring in this aspect of, of doing different things varying it fun but then also what you do is you have that idea of right right well that session wasn't great this this was good you have a little bit of look of how you review your performance and then that leads on to to coaching seniors and building through the levels and then if that cover letter lands on my lap and i'm like right okay you know well jamie's keen on coaching i know that then if i put you in with a small group of players and i say look this is the this is the you know the session that i want you to deliver i know that you'll have the confidence or you'll have some past experience of how to deliver and i'd much prefer that individual because then you know we can start to discuss philosophies methods principles etc etc and build on it whereas sometimes if we go the other the reverse route, route where you, you know you've just been purely academic you know everything you know books you know you can quote me research papers you can do this you can do that but if i put you in a group of three or four players and you've got no experience and you kind of like you know, it, 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 that's a that's one that might take a little bit longer to develop. It's not to say you'll never make it as a, a strength coach or a coach, for example, but it just means that I think that that's that's the way I would go, basically. Yeah, I think I think one of the first questions I usually ask um, at interview is, have you had experience with with coaching groups as opposed to just individuals? Not, you know, you can still learn a lot of coaching individuals. I think any coaching is great, but yeah, just having that experience um so you feel like you could trust them with it with a group like you say so it's definitely great advice uh, are there any uh, books or resources you'd recommend for young coaches as well um i think that i think that we we realize that we're probably on this cyclical strength and conditioning is that we'd always go back to a bondachuk a verkachansky um all those types of guys um and I, I think they're good good areas just to get some grounding that you know that if you're working in in a sport that requires you to train and then transfer that training across into your pitch performance on field, those are the types of guys that you'd want to have read or have some knowledge about. Um, and then, you know, there's some great books coming out, you know, David Joyce, all those all those books that put everything neatly into position. You know, and I think also nowadays, what, one of our biggest questions that we'd ask is, you know, where do you go? So what websites are you looking at? What are you, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, we'd want you to, you know, to quote some, some you know, especially for strength and power, we'd want you to know Louis Simmons. We'd want you to know, you know, Dave Tate, Elite FTS. We want you to know all those types of websites so that we know that you're kind of on the same page to us, basically. Yeah, definitely. And lastly, where can people learn more about you? 
so yeah so obviously instagram's you know a, a blessing and a curse but you know the athlete tribe is, is where i'm based at pretty much and communicating from um yep and if, if people want to drop me drop me a line or whatever however it goes i'm happy to chat cool awesome thank you very much lee and all the best no worries thank you very much cheers thank you lee great to talk to you tons of great information there and um all the best for the future guys please check lee out at the athlete tribe on instagram and other social media channels really is putting some great content out there it's really worth a look and a follow uh and of course um please follow us on the same social media channels and subscribe to us on soundcloud stitcher itunes tune in spotify whatever you listen to podcasts on and give us a five star review uh, one of the benefits if there is one of lockdown has been um, being able to get hold of people and do tons of podcasts there is loads on the way so stay tuned for more thanks for listening to the rugby renegade podcast for more quality rugby strength and conditioning information check us out at rugbyrenegade.com rugby renegade building machines